You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. 
Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE show. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports uh, for the duration of the show. Uh, by, by the way, Lou, uh, I apologize for not being able to appear on your show today. Uh, something came up very last minute, uh, family related that I had to attend to. Uh, but everything's all sorted out now. Uh, I should be back sure. next week for your show, though. Um, well, you might have to wait another week because I'm taking next week off due to Thanksgiving. So, but uh, two weeks oh. I'll be back. Oh, okay. Well, actually, actually, you know what? I, I should I should actually double check and see what I'm gonna do for next week too, because I'll let you know midweek. Mm. I'm not I'm not sure if we'll if we'll have a uh, sports pod or not, but um, right. But anyway, let me uh, know. Lou, let me know what he's doing when you know. Is that the sound of my significant other? Yes. Let yeah, me know that, what he's doing when you let you know. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we uh we do have Lou and Diane on the line with us to start off tonight's show. Uh, we have a lot to cover. We have uh, the MLB off season currently underway. Uh, a couple of signings have already taken place, and the rumor mill is churning. It seems uh, we have a, we have a couple of trades to talk about as well. That kind of surprised me to start off the week. Uh, we have the MLB awards to discuss as well. Uh, some injuries around the NFL. We'll also take an, take a look Boy. at uh, the NBA and the NHL as well. Give updates on where teams stand as of now. Uh, we have another Pete Rose to talk about as well in Yasiel Puig. Uh, mm. Also. Uh, a couple of a couple of other things as well. Uh, we have AEW Full Gear that is currently live on pay per view right now. Uh, we have Survivor Series next week, so we have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, first, though, I want to start off with uh, some UFC news, which I would have brought this up if I had if I had called ah. in uh, earlier today. Last week we saw maybe one of the most monumental upsets in UFC history with Alex Pereira. Alex Pereira knocking out middleweight champion Israel Adesanya, or former middleweight champion, I should say, because Alex Pereira is now your new UFC middleweight champion after knocking out Israel Adesanya with three minutes to go in the fifth and final round where I believe on the scorecards Adesanya was actually winning if he had just survived the fifth round. And Lou, you may, you may think that this is, you know, not really a big deal, you know, Oh, okay. So the champ, you know, the champ lost after to some people, it may not be a big deal. You know, uh, you know, the champ lost after he defended the title five times, but what what adds to this, Lou, is that this was literally Pereira's eighth overall mixed martial arts fight. Eighth. His wow. eighth his his eighth fight in his MMA career. And somehow was able was able to uh 
you know, knock out Israel Adesanya. Mm. And these two actually have a history because they have met in kickboxing before they met in the UFC. And Adesanya has actually lost time they met in kickboxing. They met in kickboxing uh, back in 2016 as well as 2017. One of them was a knockout by a left hook shot, and the other one was a unanimous decision victory for uh, Alex Pereira. So this is definitely, uh, you know, obviously they have a they have a a pretty a pretty big history, but it was kind of a right. surprise considering the fact that Adesanya is, you know, he he he's ba- he was basically the. Uh, they were considering him uh, the best in mixed martial arts at the time. I don't worry. Before he ended up losing. He he was considered the number one pound for pound mixed martial artist currently in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Yet a guy in his literally his eighth professional fight ends up winning the championship. It, it was <laughs> absolutely on. It was unreal how he was able, how he was able uh, to to knock out Adesanya like that. Gee, and I miss it. Damn it. <laughs> and not just that, yeah. we also had a couple of upsets, though. Uh, oh. Zhang Weilei, Zhang Weilei in the co-main event took back her women's strawweight title by defeating the champion Carla Esparza by a rear naked choke uh, with a, uh, a minute into the second round. Uh, Dustin Poirier submitted um, Bellator standout Michael Chandler by a submission with a rear naked choke two minutes into the third round. And I, I mean, this this entire card was pretty much ripe with upsets. And it's definitely going yeah. to impact uh, the standings, I feel, moving forward. And plus today, right. today we even had uh, obviously there was an event in uh, Nevada for the UFC uh, UFC Fight Night. Originally, it was UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Spivac. However, hmm. that had to be canceled at the last minute due to a non-COVID, uh, non-weight cutting illness, and that bout had to hmm. be canceled. So instead, Kennedy Niz- uh, I'm not even going to pronounce that name. Nezajukwu and Ian Kat- uh, and Kudalaba had to main event the show. Hmm. So, uh, you know, it's definitely been a pretty eventful uh, last to say the least week or so for the UFC. I want a long power Europe stage. That's. Yeah, that's quite an event. That's quite a list there. <laughs> yeah, if I was, you know, able to get the pay per view, I, I may have seen it. I'm more with the uh, MMA than I'm more uh, UFC than you know the uh, wrestling type. You know, I prefer like a good real solid fight. Right. Yeah, you know, I you know, know, I gotta. I, I, <laughs> I I do have to admit, you know, I haven't really followed the UFC as much as I used to, you know, right. I, 
I used to be a, an avid MMA uh, MMA watcher back during the days of uh, of Mirko Krokop Filipovich when he was literally knocking out people. Where he had uh. he had a uh, he had a name for each of his for each of his legs. Uh, I believe it was hmm. right kick hospital, left kick cemetery. Where literally that it just it it just showed wow. like how dangerous because he was a kick but he was mainly a kickboxer. And he made himself popular out of uh, the Pride Fighting Championships in Japan by knocking out his opponents with his uh, with his left kick to the head, and because liter- literally it would be every single time he would land that kick, if it yeah. was if it was a clean if it was a clean shot, it would literally it would result in a knockout every single time. Oh, bad. And then, and then of course, when he came to the UFC, uh, then uh, one fighter knocked him out with his own version of the left kick, and he was never the same fighter ever since that. But I think I beat him. You know, I just I haven't. I guess I haven't really had the time, I should say, to follow the UFC uh, as much as I used to. So. Right. Hmm. But uh, we, what was that, Diane? I think she muted herself. Oh, okay. Uh, well, we do. Yeah. Well, we 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 are going to move on from the UFC actually, because uh, we do have a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, let's talk about the MLB awards because yes. There, there's been a couple of people who were pretty pissed off at some of the awards that have uh, yeah I know that have come Let out or that were awarded. Let me take a guess. Was Paul Goldschmidt one of them? Well, they were pissed no, off? I, I uh, no. It's more along the lines oh. of the fact that Rob Thompson wasn't even uh, he wasn't even you know in contention. For coach of the year. Mm, okay, I'll buy that. I think that might have been. I think that might have been a big reason that. Uh, well, first off, uh, just naming the coaches of the year here. Uh, Terry Francona from the Cleveland Guardians. He took home yep. the AL Coach of the Year, and the NL Coach of the Year went to Buck Showalter. So I get. I guess Uncle apparently Buck. you can get coach. Oh of yeah, the, year. the man. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I guess you can get coach of the year if you have a team that uh, absolutely chokes their division lead away. I guess that's uh, yeah, that's coach of the year material apparently. Well, the thing is, Steve, that nobody really I don't think expected well much of the Mets to do anything after having you know uh, the past uh, six years you know in the toilet, and all of a sudden Buck Showalter comes along and has miraculous turnaround for the team. You know, they did have a hundred and one, you know, wins of the season. Okay, they they lost the Braves which were which took control in the second half. But you gotta give them much credit, you know, for you know, pulling off this the season which nobody would expected. I mean I'm not a Mets fan, but I do give credit where credit is due. So I think under you know, that I think it is legit that Showalter did get the the NL manager of the year, even though they choked in the in the uh, first round of the playoffs. Yeah, D- Diane. Yes. What, are, what are your thoughts on on Buck Showalter uh, being named Manager of the Year? Well, 
I think he should have gotten up. <laughs> then again, I'm a Mets fan. <laughs> well, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I would be the same way if Alex Cora. Uh, was named manager of the year. Uh, obviously, you know, with this Red Sox team, there's no way in hell he's going to get manager of the year at no, this rate. No. But, uh, you know, I would probably be the same way if Alex Cora was named manager of the year for the American League. Uh, this is actually Buck Showalter's fourth manager of the year award because yes. he previously really? won. Really? Wow. Uh, yeah. He Where was he when it was? And four different teams. What That's team correct. besides the Mets? We got the Yankees, uh, the Yankees, the Rangers, and the Orioles are the other three teams. Oh, okay. That he won, that he won Manager of the Year under. But uh, I mean, this is you know obviously you take a look. You take a look at the record this year: one hundred one and sixty-one. Okay, you know yeah. it's. I think the stats are definitely there, but here's the thing. If they're going to give it to – maybe it's because of the fact that the other contenders were Dave Roberts, who has a monster monster roster to work with, and Brian Snicker, who literally was just a World Series champion last year. Maybe that's the reason why they gave it to Schultz. Braves. Braves, Diane. They both men the Braves. No, no, Braves thinker um, did the Braves. What about the other person? Yeah, Dave did... Roberts. Yep. Uh, the Dodgers. Yep. Okay. Who won the previous year before that? No figure. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I. That's why when I when I said uh, when Dave Roberts was first named as a candidate. I said he shouldn't even be named as a he shouldn't even be a candidate because it it would be it's easy to win the amount of games he did with the roster that he has. There's mm-hmm. not really any coaching involved at that rate. Not so really. you know, I think if it, if it was any other team like say the Phil, here's the thing, I think if the Phillies came all the way back and took the lead and took the division from the Mets I think maybe then Rob Thompson would have been named as a uh, as a Absolutely. candidate. But for some reason, they put Snicker in there. So yeah, I don't. You know, I I just I don't know. I I still think it should have been it should have been Thompson as one of the uh, as one of the nominees. Mm-hmm. Francona, Francona, I can kind of understand. Uh, why he won over Hyde and uh, and what's his name from from Seattle? Francona. The problem with the problem with the Guardians is, you know, they've just been in turmoil for God yeah. knows how many years. I mean, I mean, yeah, they've been they've been you know they've been winning the AL West or the uh, no the AL Central. They've been winning the AL the AL Central. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that they've never gone anywhere with it. So I think, I think it's uh, definitely – You know, they went to the World Series against uh, the Cubs. Right. But apart from that, apart from that, they, uh, that year, though, Lou, uh, they haven't really done much with uh, 
with Francona at the helm. I mean, hell, last year they were eighty-two and eight, or they were eighty and eighty-two last year. Mm. So they come back. They're ninety-two and seventy this year. They lost in the ALDS, of course, to the Yankees, but they were first in the Thank AL you. Central. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, I think American League. I mean, I kind of feel that if if they would have given it to Hyde, then you mm-hmm. should might as well just give it to any to any uh, to any coach who makes the te- who makes the team that they're that they're coaching a better team. Like for example, right. Uh, like if there's a like if there's a team who finished in the cellar, like say the Pittsburgh Pirate the Pittsburgh Pirates, for example. Yeah. And all of a sudden, say they almost get close to five hundred, then oh, that would be considered manager of the year or, or coach of the year worthy. Mm-hmm. If they would have if they would have awarded the uh the award to to Hyde this year. Then well, you could it was consider an improved team, yes. Yes. Most improved team is a different story. Then, yeah, I, right. I would think Hyde would probably have gotten that. Exactly. But, but Pittsburgh is a dumpster fire. Well, but Diane, Pittsburgh is a dumpster fire. They have been for quite a long time. They haven't been good since Barry right, Bonds so was on the team. Right, so does Hyde manage Pittsburgh? No, Hyde is with, uh, is with Baltimore. Baltimore. Okay. Which, has a, which had a good turnaround this season. I don't know if it's sincere, you know, um, managing the material, but you got to give them credit too. I mean, for years they've been, you know, cellar dwellers in the AL East, and look what they did this year. They went above 500, which I didn't expect at all. Mm-hmm. But we right. get good yeah. draft picks and whatnot, you know, that can help turn a team around too. Sometimes you get good draft mm-hmm. picks, it can help your team. Other times you can get the top draft pick, and you still suck. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it, 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 it depends on what like you do with your draft pick. Yes, that's right. You know, it, it, it literally it, it, it depends. Like Diane said, it depends on a what you do with your draft picks, but also, yes. uh, you know, you keep in mind that those draft picks probably aren't going to be anywhere close to major league ready for at least a couple of years or so. I mean, you take a look at the Red Sox. They have uh, they got Marcelo Meyer two years ago, who should have been yeah. the number one draft pick that year, but somehow he fell all the way to Boston. And mm-hmm. he he literally just entered double A this year. So uh, sure. obviously, obviously though, you know, ben Int- uh, a player like Benintendi, for example, who was taken sixth overall in the year that ben he was Henry. drafted by Boston, that's a different story because a player can obviously – skyrocket up your system depending on you know yes. how poorly how poor your system is and it's no wonder that Benintendi had the had the fast rise like he did during the year that he uh you know that he ended up debuting in the majors All right, team uh for the Red Sox Red Sox okay it was the uh, I think he debuted the year before. The year before they won in 2018. Okay. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I th- I think it oh, was. Oh, when the Ashes won, when the Ashes won their championship. 
Yeah, it was near the end of the 2017 season, I believe, that he debuted, but I could be wrong. Mm. Well, we do have uh, the Most Valuable Player Awards. Uh, Aaron Judge officially won for the American League. Like I am it was, not surprised. Like, yeah, exactly. Not really a surprise. Although I don't, I don't understand why they why they tried to make a case for Shohei Otani uh, to win the award, yeah. even though he did he did get uh, the other two votes because Aaron Judge got twenty eight out of the thirty votes. Uh, Shohei Otani got the other two votes, and Alvarez, of course, finished in third. Uh, I mean, if mm. you have a historic season, like Judge is. Hold on. Uh, the Houston Astros, uh, the Houston Astros slugger. He's a yeah. uh, DH, I think. Okay. But I mean, if you're coming off of a a record-setting season, like Aaron Judge did with 62 homers, leading all of baseball with runs scored, OPS, and RBI, how does that not make you the MVP? If that was not made the MVP, then we know something is definitely wrong with the system. And if he if he didn't go in that slump, you know, towards the before he hit the home run that uh, broke the record, he would have had the triple crown too. But he fell, but right. he, he fell off a bit the last uh, kind of like the last two weeks of the season. Triple crown though, it's not easy right. to get. But anyway. Yeah, that you know that's a, that's the other thing too is that he could have potentially had the triple crown as well, very yeah. easily. Uh, before that, before that slump he went on. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is actually the second time that he has finished in the top two, as he also finished uh, in the uh, in the top two during his rookie season back in uh, back in 2016. Uh, when he finished second to Jose Altuve of the uh, Houston the Houston Astros, so Aaron, Aaron Judge takes home the American League MVP. The National League MVP was who I thought it would be. I thought it would be uh, Paul Goldschmidt. It ended up being Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Manny Machado ended up finishing second with eight first place votes, and Nolan Arenado finished third with one vote. But yeah. it's the one. first with one, with one. Uh, considering uh, you know, considering he had to go up against his teammate though too, with Gold because uh, Goldschmidt and Arenado, you know, are were both St. Louis Cardinals. But it is the first MVP for uh, Paul Goldschmidt as he had previously finished as a runner-up twice in both 2013 and 2015. And he hit 317 this year with 35 homers while driving in 115 runs, as well as uh, stealing seven bases. So, you know, I I know uh, a lot of people, if I remember correctly, Lou, uh, when we talked about this on your show, a lot of people had taken Machado, I believe, uh, to they did to win the uh, the MVP. And I mean, all you know, always like I like I said, I would always be against Manny Machado ever since he did uh, what he did to Dustin Pedroia all the way back 
all the way back in the the last full season of Pedroia's uh, Red Sox career. But, yeah. I mean, you know, t- taking a look at Machado's stats from this year, 32 homers, 102 RBIs, uh, 298 batting average. I mean, that's pretty uh, – that's considered MVP worthy. But I think the that thing that may have killed him hmm. – you know what I think killed him was the fact that he was not above 300 for batting average. I think the batting average is what mm, killed his chances. Yes. a lot of chances, to be honest. I mean, if you don't have, you know, the good batting average, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna, you know, be worthy of it. Right, and and we have, a, have a good batting average going on at the. We have a route going on at the TD Garden right now. Boston up. Six to one over Chicago. Ugh. Good lord! You have gravy. I tell you, Boston's got it this year. The Devils and the, the Devils and the Bruins are, you know, battling out one and two in the Eastern Conference. Wow, I know. Good. I, I, yeah, yeah, Di, yeah, Diane. It's uh, it's it's looking like a uh, it's looking like a slugfest right now between both Boston and uh, and. Uh, New Jersey in the standings. I mean, it's yep. Right, they came into Good, they came into this. tonight. I want the Devils uh, to win. <laughs> well, so far so good. I mean, yeah, yeah. fifteen and three. In case you don't know, Steve, I'm a Devils fan. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Lou, uh, Lou, Lou has told me uh, previ- previously okay. on this show, uh-huh. uh, but okay. I mean, yeah, but you know, the Devils. 15 and 3 record. They sit comfortably atop the Metropolitan Division. Uh yep. they were tied actually with Boston heading into tonight for uh points for total points with 30 points on the season. Uh yep. though they've played one more game than Boston has. But uh I got to tell you Lou, you know, we're seeing sort of similar the only difference between Boston and New Jersey is New Jersey has given up more goals compared to Boston. Yes. But their goals for are pretty similar. I mean, 68 goals for for, uh, for New Jersey, 69 goals for for Boston, and actually we could probably make that 75 after tonight for Boston, I think. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's – it's definitely a changing of the guard. I feel right now in the uh, in the NHL because definitely. I mean, you take a look. the Devils weren't doing good, and now they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you take a look at all these teams that are supposed to be con- annual contenders, like Pittsburgh and Washington. Uh, New York, you know, even the Islanders are having a bit of a comeback year this year. Uh, but Pittsburgh and Washington, uh, you know, Montreal. Montreal has never been the same since they lost Carey Price. Uh, nope. You know, Chicago, who won all those Stanley Cups the past decade, they're uh, they're basically at the bottom of the uh, of the NHL now. I thought they're going to do better this year for some reason. You know, I thought so too, but but then they made those strange trades in the off season, and I'll do it. I mean, you, 
You trade away Alex DeBrincat. What the hell are you guys doing? And uh, the Boston Bruins have now tied the 1963-64 Chicago Blackhawks and last year's Florida Panthers team for the most home wins to start off a season all time as Mm -hmm. the Bruins improve to 11-0 at the TD Garden to start off the season. Okay, but remember, it doesn't... It doesn't mean you're going to have a great postseason because we've seen this happen time and time no. again. No, of course. Much of too, course, we've seen much that too, happen. Much too, uh, you know, because you know, last year they were on top of it, and you know, Tampa Bay postseason. took the Eastern Conference. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that happen time and time again, like you said, Lou. Uh, yeah. And actually, last year, you know, Florida, they really cooled off after they had that hot start. Uh, to start mm-hmm. off the season for them. so But I think this is different, though, cons- when you consider the fact that Boston has a new coach. You know, yeah. it's, it's, almost like, it's almost like this team has been stacked full of potential all these the last couple of years, but the guy that they had coaching them just was not able to get through to them, either that or yeah. – you could potentially argue that maybe some players, uh, maybe some of the veterans were holding back because of the fact they didn't want to play for this coach. Because, I mean, I mean David Krejci ended up, ended up going overseas instead of re-signing with the Bruins. Bergeron, oh. I mean, Bergeron won a Selkie Award, but... Uh, mm. You know, Bergeron seems to be having a rejuvenated season, as is Marchand. And, you know, it's and even the biggest one, maybe, is Jake DeBrusque, who all of a sudden is looking like uh, like the guy who scored uh, 25 to 27 goals a couple of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it it almost seems like all they needed was a head coach, you know, a coaching change to really rejuvenate this team. And I'll tell you one thing. We have not seen them score at the rate that they're scoring this year. We have not seen that in a while from the Boston Bruins. So... You know, I got to tell you, the NHL, where it stands right now, it's going to be a very interesting season because, I mean, you have, okay. you, have New Jersey, you have New Jersey leading the Metropolitan. You have Boston leading the Atlantic. Dallas is on top of the Central. You would expect ah. that Colorado would be leading the Central, but no, Dallas yes. is leading the Central. And you have Vegas leading the Pacific back. under Bruce yeah. Cassidy. And not to, not to mention also uh, Los Angeles is somehow having uh, a rejuvenated season as well. So, uh, you know, it's... What is Los Angeles is talking, Kings? Kings. Oh, I'm going to with Sacramento. That's basketball. It's in the eight. You can have two teams with the same name, okay. just not in the, not in the same sport. Okay. Right. And you know, here's a surprising here's a surprising number here too. Edmonton 
with all of the talent that that team has, Edmonton is nine and eight this season. Mm, okay. With all of the talent that they have on that roster, that's the that's that's a team that should be one of the top teams in the Pacific Division. Mm-hmm. And instead, they're on the borderline of playoffs, maybe playoffs, no. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 unreal the way the way that the uh, the landscape sure. of the NHL is looking right now, uh, with yeah, with all these teams that it, it, you know, it just seems like the NHL has partly flip flopped from uh, like a mm. like a a changing of the guard almost, if you would. Yes. Although we still do have some of the big teams like Toronto and Tampa Bay, they're still up. Uh, Carolina is still up there. The Rangers, they're hanging around, but and the, the Rangers are hanging around around the middle portion. Like they're not overly good, but they're not terrible. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, they're just they're just they're hanging in there right now. Uh, Detroit, all of a sudden, for some reason, is uh, complete. They seem completely rejuvenated. They're in a playoff spot right now, actually. Yeah. Uh, Winnipeg is in a playoff spot. Seattle, in their second season, is in a playoff spot after drafting Shane Wright uh, at this year's uh, most recent draft. So the, uh, the final score for the Boston Bruins actually was indeed six to one. They got, they got two goals tonight from David Pasternak. uh, One goal from Bergeron, DeBrusque, Krejci, and Taylor Hall. I, you know, this team, it just, it, they seem like a completely different Boston Bruins team. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it's still early in the oh, season. Oh, yeah, we're going to tell but... our home about the Boston Bruins. Yep. Yeah, that's, pro- that's probably still haunting you, Diane, from the fact, the fact that, uh, that the Devils, no, the da- really. the Devils once had them. I didn't go there. I thought it would stay where he was. I mean, because that's the last time the Devils did anything is when Taylor Hall was on the team. And, you know, uh, yeah, since but, seven out of the last eight years, they haven't done anything. They're doing something again. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, so far, you know, so far so good this season. They're definitely mm-hmm. on the right track. If they, if they can continue uh, progressing the way that they are right now, I mean, they got a comfortable lead right now over Carolina and the Islanders. So, uh, you know, it's going to take probably at this rate that they're going, it's going to take a monumental collapse for them to somehow not make the playoffs under Lindy Ruff. Right. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they make the playoffs. No, we still got a long way to go. If it does happen, I hope they make it. Right. Well, otherwise, otherwise it could be very rough. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Next. Well, well, you, oh. well, you know, it is fun. It is funny, Lou, because because fans, uh, every single game in New Jersey this year so far, they've chanted 
sorry, Lindy. Basically, that they're they're sorry for for uh, you know for wanting him fired all of this time, right? And now all of a sudden, uh, you know they're contenders now all of a sudden. Yeah, because like I said, you know, this uh, for but, the first year in about eight years they've done anything. They actually started doing anything. Exactly. Uh, but the the Devils they did win earlier today, five to one over the Ottawa Senators. Yay. Uh, some other we we have some other finals as well. The Detroit Red Wings with a six to one victory over the Columbus Blue Jackets. The uh, sure. Calgary Flames, the Calgary Flames with a five to four victory over the Florida Panthers in a shootout. Uh, we mm. do have some games that are or actually nope, this just went final. Uh, Colorado four to nothing. Shout out over the Washington Capitals. So the Capitals Ooh. now fall to three games, three games under 500 for Washington. Sorry, uh, this game, this game, I believe is about to go final uh, any moment now. I think the Penguins hold a two nothing lead over the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, this one is probably going to go final as well. The Toronto Maple Leafs with a five to two lead over the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, Some other games still ongoing. Six minutes left in the third out in the Bell Centering in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Uh, The Canadiens are trailing the Philadelphia Flyers 4-3. to Uh, Out in St. Louis, the Blues have a 5-1 to lead over the Ducks with about a minute to go in the second period. Uh, about five minutes left in the second out in Minnesota. It is one to nothing Carolina. Uh, at the end of the second period in Dallas, hmm. the Stars and the New York Islanders are tied at two apiece. And with about four minutes to go in Nashville in the second period, the Lightning are tied one to one with the Nashville Predators. And games that are still yet to be played, the L.A. Kings visit the Seattle Kraken, the Vegas Golden Knights visit the Edmonton Oilers, and the New York Rangers take on the San Jose Sharks. Sharks. So, from, from what from what from what we've been seeing so far this season, I think there, there's definitely still a bit of potential uh, for uh, for for us to have quite the interesting. Uh, playoff picture potentially depending on what we will see what we will see moving forward here uh let's see we do have an update on Kyrie Irving as apparently it has been reported that Irving has supposedly satisfied the uh the requirements that Brooklyn had laid out for him in order to be reinstated from his suspension. And Mm -hmm. according to Shams Sharania of the athletic, he is expected to be reinstated for tomorrow, tomorrow's game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Well, it's still questionable. Uh, Yeah, he, he, it, it, it is still listed as questionable. Um, but, it do, it does say though that Sunday has been the target date for his return. Yes. 
So it wouldn't be all it wouldn't be a surprise at all if he were given the all clear to play. Uh, the way things are trending, it sounds like he will probably be cleared. So that means that Edmund Sumner will go back to obscurity uh, on the Nets bench, and Irving will take will will take back over as the starting point guard uh, against a John Morantless Memphis Grizzlies. As John Morant dealing with a grade one sprain of his left ankle, so uh, he's set to miss at least three games because he is considered to be week to week. So Tyus Jones will now be the starting point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies moving forward until John Morant is available. Also, uh, another another thing this time in Philly. The uh, the 76ers, as if things couldn't get any worse for them, who are already without they James have. Harden. They oh, are, are they now... the worst team in basketball? No, but they're getting they're you know, like a mastermind now. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. it's not looking good. They're, they're not the no. worst okay. team, but it's not it's it's not looking good, Diane, for their long term uh, their long term hopes this season because right now okay. they're they're in the right now they're in the seventh spot so technically they are in the play-in tournament if the season were to end uh were to end today they would be in the play-in tournament however and this is the season doesn't end today when does the no. season end late april okay However, however, though, uh, they have been without James Harden and will continue to, to be without him for at least a month or so. Uh, they have now lost Tyrese Maxey, who, bro- who, who uh, fractured a small part of his left foot during the second quarter yeah. of last night's win over the Bucks. So uh, he ended up, he ended up uh, not returning for the game uh, at halftime. So he has been sidelined for three to four weeks, according to an MRI that he had earlier today. So now DeAnthony Melton uh, will be the official starter in in place of Tyrese Maxey, and Shake Milton will move up into uh, DeAnthony Melton's uh, bench spot, basically. So... Things are gonna get things are gonna start to get a little bit tougher for the seventy sixers if they're hoping to okay. somehow uh to somehow hang around in the Eastern Conference. Who is the worst human basketball? But you know you know, Lou, I gotta tell you though, uh yeah. Milwaukee after that hot start that they had they seemingly yeah. have 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 now come to, come back down to earth. Well, uh, it, it well, they won't bring out the seats. Yeah, but uh, I don't know how they can come back to earth. Figure of speech, die. Figure of speech. I mean, you know, right. they were so dominant, and now they're just you know, hanging back down to you know where they once were. When I once, you know, when we once referred them as the yucks, when they weren't doing so well. Now it seems like they're. Are they still not doing so well. Well, you can't say they're doing horrible, but, you know, they're not playing like, you know, uh, like the team they have been playing in the past few years. You know, winning the championship uh, two seasons ago and then 
making it to the playoffs again. So it does not look like the same team um, as they have been. And the Greek freak had a little bit incident last night um, with an object. You're well, right. Yeah. yeah, he had he had a uh, it happened, I believe, post game. I believe, right? Where just before the post game, yeah. So what 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 exact what exactly happened? Because I heard it had something to do with a ladder. I think. Yeah, there was a there was a ladder. Uh, let me see if I can find the story here. Talk about talk about the ridiculous amount of the week. Okay. But I think this happened after right, I did the show, so that. that's a, so maybe a little bit irrelevant. Okay, they lost. Uh, okay, they lost the figures. Um, and with a ladder conducting. Uh, with Giannis pushing a 12-foot ladder out of his way after having his skid a few feet from falling on his side. Well, the ladder is not the Greek freak. Uh, he meant no disrespect to anyone uh, since he spoke about an hour after the game. Um, it feels like you know, that's when the mishap took place. Uh, what caused it was a, sec- was a second straight dreadful game at the uh, free-throw line, even though even though the Bucks didn't do so bad themselves. Uh, he hasn't done so well the line lately. He was 4-15, 4-15 uh, last night, and then 4-11 for 11 on Wednesday night. So he took his frustration out on it, and uh, you know, that's what caused the problem right there. He took it out on an object. Right, yeah. You know, it looked, it looked like he was basically trying to brush aside uh, the yeah. ladder, I guess, because he was trying—he was trying to attempt uh, free throws uh, after the right. game was over. He was trying to do some work on his fr- on his free throws, and all of a sudden, an incident occurred with the staff. And I mean, obviously, for uh, for things to happen the way they did, I mean, yeah, you can be frustrated about a—you know—you can be frustrated about a game, but there's no reason. To take to take it out on the staff. No. Oh, I'm going to take it on the ladder. <laughs> no, I pushed the ladder well, out, of, he, out of the way. No. Well, okay. he he he, he kind of did, but I th- I think it, I think it was the fact that uh, you know the ladder came in contact with the staff as well, and that's what basically yeah. Uh, Everybody, everybody has been up in arms uh, today so far about that. So, yeah, needless to say, it's it's not a good look for him. I'll put it that way. For a guy who always wants to look like the consummate professional, it's not a good look yeah. for him to uh, mm-hmm. to have uh, done to have done that last night. So, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have some more injury news. Uh, Kevin Love is expected to be doubtful for tomorrow's game against the Miami Heat. Uh, he ended up mm-hmm. fracturing his thumb during the third quarter of last night's overtime win against the Hornets. It's a hairline fracture of his right thumb. Uh, mm-hmm. He is considered he is considered to be doubtful, uh, with the Cavaliers saying that his status will be updated on the daily. So. It uh, looks like right now, if uh, if Kevin Love can't play, that means that Seti Oseman, Lamar Stevens, and Isaac Okoro uh, will see an upgrade in their minutes moving forward for however long Kevin Love has to deal with this. 
so that is thing I believe uh, for for Cleveland fans. That's definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward, especially Absolutely. with the Cavaliers with the Cavaliers looking to be in a prime position this season. But you know, you know what though? We were talking about how topsy turvy the NHL looks. What about the NBA? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, take a look at some of the teams, Lou. We'll just start off with the Eastern Conference. You have yeah. contenders like the Nets, Heat, and the Bulls. Uh, they're currently looking like borderline playoff teams right now. So far, yeah. Well, it's been inconsistent. While you have teams like the Wizards, Pacers, and maybe borderline Cavaliers, as looking like legitimate play, potential playoff contenders. Yeah. And, and then you have the Sixers and Raptors who are currently in the play-in tournament if the uh, season were to end today. Uh, the Sixers and Raptors are in the play-in tournament with the Knicks and the Nets. Somehow, I, I don't know how the hell the Knicks are somehow staying in it. They're 8-8 eight and eight right now. And yet, somehow, they're in the playing tournament. It's not bad, but, it, it, you know, I think one thing that has definitely hurt them is the fact that Evan Fournier, the guy who they put a lot of money yeah. into uh, two years ago, has completely regressed, it seems. It's, you know, you know I, I don't know. What, what, are your, what are your thoughts, Lou, about about the uncertainty uh, surrounding the Knicks? Well, not really surprising because they've been, you know, an uncertain team for quite a long time now. They haven't really delivered anything. They've only made the playoffs, I think, twice in the last uh, 15 years. So this doesn't shock me whatsoever. Fournette hasn't, you know, been the guy we've been hoping for. Um, you know, I'm still thinking what about Obi-Wan. <laughs> And he is uh, slacked off too, but you know, ain't Nate, considering all this, you know, there that's that's not bad. I mean, it is improving from last year already. So you know, there is there is some little bit of hope here, and you know, they can improve on that. Maybe we'll see how much we get to the trade deadline. Yeah, it should be it should be it should be pretty interesting because I mean they have a, they have a couple of uh, of young assets on that team. I think the real, I think the big thing, uh, though, that I think is really hurting them is the fact that Evan Fournier seems to have regressed far from the player that he was coming out of Orlando, mm-hmm. and you know, then Boston obviously acquired him, and all of a sudden, you know, he entered the off season, he had that huge uh, showing in the Olympics. And the Knicks then awarded him with a with a huge multi year deal. You know, it just it just seems like right now it seems like a very questionable decision for the Knicks to have made because you know his level his le- his level of uh of playability seems to have completely gone into the into the gutter yeah so 
I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely a, uh, it's definitely a huge question mark surrounding the, uh, the New York Knicks right now. But, you know, I am, well, I can't say I'm, I'm pleased uh, with it, but it is better than we've been, what we've been through so far. Right. Now you go over to the Western Conference. You have the Warriors currently outside of the playoff picture. What if has happened? Were to they came and won a game on the road. Yeah, if the season were to end today, they wouldn't even be in the playoffs. No. Not just that, they've sent James Wiseman down to the G League Warriors. Yep. And it sounds like it's going to be for quite a while that he'll be down there. So yeah. uh, we we shouldn't expect Wiseman to return at any in the future. And the Warriors, I don't I don't know if it's if 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 it's their dynasty starting to crumble around them. Or I think it is. If this is, or if this is, you know, a major, uh, if if it's a major championship hangover, I don't know what the deal is with the Golden it State could Warriors. Be a hangover. But, you know, it just seems like this is a much different team, Lou, than the team that won the NBA title last year. It does. I mean, you haven't won a game on a you know, on the road yet. I mean, this is you know this is very unusual for a, a team that won the championship last year. It's not the first time it's happened, but it is you know extremely rare. And you know, I don't know what the I don't know what they what they're doing wrong. I mean, a home road game, but this road record, if this keeps up, they won't make they won't make the playoffs and a chance to defend for that title uh, this year. Right. This and is then you have, very, that... this is very odd. And then you have the Lakers, who mm. apparently have not gotten the memo yet that they should probably be uh, they should probably be rebuilding. They haven't gotten that memo yeah. yet, and they're sitting they're sitting at the bottom of the Western Conference at four and ten. The only oh, team, God. the only other team that's worse than them is the Houston Rockets at three and thirteen. Uh, who would have thought that you? Now that's a sorry LeBron ass team James. right there. Oh yeah, Houston. Yeah, that's. I don't think you can get. Well, I mean, Detroit is kind of similar. Detroit's at three and fourteen, but yeah, too bad, Taylor. You know, it's pretty damn embarrassing. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I of course the Rockets were good. Yeah, the Rockets. Uh, you know, during yeah. the Yao Ming era, and even not even not even going that far back, you know, they were good when they had Russell Westbrook and James Harden as a duo. They were still good. Yeah. Gee, I want to happen to them. Well, it had to do it had to do with their with their owner. Yeah, I know. Their owner being a, being a racist. In other words, a dick. So. You know, it's just, it's just definitely uh, it's 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 a complete embarrassment out there in Houston, anyways. Uh, yeah, but the you Lakers, the Lake, I mean, the the Lakers, they just haven't gotten the memo yet that they should be rebuilding as opposed yeah. to 
trying to win now. I mean, there, there's there been a rumor uh, going around that potentially uh, we may be seeing Anthony Davis on a uh, on the trading block. Rightfully so. I mean, Anthony Davis was, you know, hoping that, you know, that this team was going to turn around and, you know, he was yeah, saying that last week. But uh, apparently they haven't got the message that they're still, you know, in the toilets. It's, you know, it's it's just so, you're not going to, the way that this team is going right now and the way it's looking, they're, I don't. I don't think there's even turning any turning around for this team. No. Well, no. I, I wouldn't give up yet. I mean, it's only uh, you know mid-November. I, I mean, there's still time to do it. But I wouldn't expect. Yeah. You, you know. Yeah, but I. I mean, you have to be on a. You know, you you have to have a huge. You have to have a huge run, and you also have to get a lot of help from teams ahead of you. And the further the further that they go at the beginning of this season without going on a run, it just makes it look worse for them. Right. You know, it, it's it, they dig themselves into a deeper hole basically. But I mean, you take a look at some of the other teams, the Sacramento Kings, they're in the playoff picture right now. Uh, Why? The New, Orleans, the New Orleans Pelicans, imagine this. The Pelicans are in the playoff picture, and they may be in contention to land Victor Wembanyama in the draft as mm. they own the Lakers' first-round pick for this year because of the Anthony Davis trade. Yeah. But the Kings, I mean... I don't believe it. Oh, yeah, especially with Mike Brown as their new head coach. You know, we know we know how much of an offensive mind Mike Brown was all these years whenever he had to uh whenever he had to fill in for either Steve Kerr or if he or you know his time with uh with Cleveland. Yeah, you know we know we know he's been such a big offensive mind. So I mean, he really has he really has this uh, this team moving in Sacramento. I mean, he is actually showing them discipline. He's making them responsible, which is something that we haven't seen out of the Kings in quite a while. So. I mean, obviously, it's early on in the season, but it, it, these are good signs early on for a team that's looking to finally get a, get out of obscurity like the Suns did a couple seasons ago. Mm. Then you have the Utah Jazz, who didn't get the message that they're supposed to be rebuilding, and yet they're at 11-6 and six right now and second in the Western Conference. Yeah, apparently they got the message. They just ignored it. Oh, I guess so because you know this team was nowhere was expected to be nowhere near the top of the Western Conference, let alone the playoff picture. Yeah. After they traded away Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell in the off season, 
But yet, here they are, and they're sitting. They're sitting in. Uh, you know, ob- obviously Portland is still ahead of them, but they're sitting in a prime playoff position potentially moving forward here. But uh, let's let's move back a little bit to uh, Major mm. League Baseball. Uh, we do have other awards mm. to uh, bring out here. First, Justin Verlander has won the American League Cy Young Award and probably going to win the Comeback Player of the Year Award as well. Mm. Uh, it, it was a unanimous vote. All 30 first-place votes went to Verlander. Uh, Dylan Cease ended up finishing second with Alec Manoa landing in third. Uh, this is the third time in his career that Verlander has won the uh, Cy Young Award. Mm-hmm. Coming mm-hmm. back from Tommy John surgery, no less. Registering a major league. Yeah. And he registered an MLB best 1.75 ERA in 175 mm-hmm. innings. A one point. 7-5 ERA, that means you're basically damn near unhittable. Yeah. And then he ended up helping, uh, of course, he ended up helping the Astros take home a World Series title this year. And from the sounds of it, he is in, he is in line for a massive payday uh, this offseason, probably nearing $30 million per season, maybe forty actually, from, from what I've been hearing. You know, Verlander is expected to break the bank, essentially, this off season. So, I mean, right. uh, you know, uh, Diane and Lou, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on Verlander, you know, coming back from Tommy John's surgery? That's hard Which enough remarkable to do. Itself. Yeah, I know. That's hard enough to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then pull up a season like that. That is, you know, nothing short of remarkable. He's still a guy, too. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's 39 years old. You know, wins the the, um, Cy Young Award. And after what he's been through, you know, nothing nothing short of miraculous with his case. You know, most most players, when they reach that age, you know, at the tail end of their career and they, uh, you know, don't have the same as they used to. But Verlander still got it. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely very impressive. The fact that, that at age 39, he's able to come back uh, off of Tommy John surgery and yet still win the Cy Young, proving that he's still the best pitcher in the American League. I mean, my God, yeah. you know, I we're probably looking at a Hall of Fame uh, induction when it's all said and done for him. First ballot. Once, once First his ballot. career. I would be surprised if he isn't first ballot. With the way that, the the way that he's uh, that he's pitched ever since ever since he debuted for Detroit all those years ago. Uh, The National League Cy Young Award winner ended up going to Sandy Alcantara, who also won in a unanimous vote taking all 30 first-place votes for the Miami Marlins. Uh, Max Freed finished second with Julio Urias coming in third. It is the 
first time that Alcantara has won the award. Uh, he was able to work 228 and two-thirds innings this season for the Marlins uh, while posting a 2.28 ERA and a 207 to 50 strikeout to walk ratio. So easily one of the top uh, pitchers in the game today. And, you know, the, the first thing that pops off my mind is who the hell would have thought that a Miami Marlin would win an award? Yeah. With how, you know, with how that, with how this season has gone for, uh, or with how the past couple of, uh, couple of years have gone for them, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see our next our next one uh this one shouldn't really come as a surprise uh Julio Rodriguez was named the American League rookie of the year uh a near unanimous vote the only other vote was Adley Rutschman of the Baltimore Orioles got one first place vote uh Stephen Kwan ended up finishing in third Rodriguez made the opening day roster for the Mariners out of spring training and went on to bat a 284 batting average with 28 homers, 75 RBIs, and 25 stolen bases in 132 games as Seattle obviously ended up going on to snap the longest postseason drought in major North American professional sports history, or not history, but current uh, major North American professional sports. Uh, he was the only rookie representative at the All-Star Game this year, and he finished tops among all MLB rookies in both uh, fan graphs and baseball references wins above replacement, mm. which obviously that stat goes to, uh, you know, depending on uh, the difference between him and the guy that would end up replacing him. Uh, he ended up obviously inking a massive contract extension back in August that will guarantee him at least $210 million over the next 12 years and can max out at a record $470 million, depending on certain, uh, certain conditions being met. So... Oh, by the way, Lou, another thing, too, uh, I heard yeah. that the Yankees had supposedly upped their offer to Aaron Judge. You bet. I believe it was, I believe it was around $330 million, I think, was the number. Should be the number, that yes. I don't know. I don't know about you, Lou, but that's still, that still seems kind of low for him. I mean, you would think for him, that yeah. he could put the, with the numbers that he put up, he could potentially command around around uh, half a billion dollars potentially. That seems about reasonable for his case. Yeah, about half about half a billion dollars, which <laughs> to most of to most of us, you know, would would be you know skyrocketing numbers for us. Well, obviously, yeah, yeah. But I mean, when you when you consider the record season that he had, 
you know, the re- the record yeah. season that that uh, that he had this year, it only makes sense that right. he should get, uh, you know, he should he should get the money that as much money as they can potentially throw that a team could potentially throw at him. So I, you know, I just I still think that. Uh, I mean, three hundred and thirty million is a lot of money, but I yeah. still think it's potentially uh, he could he could he could potentially get more. Uh, let's see, Michael Harris the second. He was named the National League Rookie of the Year after getting a twenty-two out of possible thirty first place votes, an eight second place beat out his Braves teammate. Spencer Strider, who received the other eight first-place votes, and he also received 21 second-place votes. Uh, Cardinals utility man Brendan Brendan Donovan came in third in the uh, in the balloting. Uh, Harris this year hit 297 with 19 home runs, as well as 20 stolen bases over his first 114 major league games this year while also playing exceptional defense in center field. Uh, from the date of his promotion to the final day of the regular season, Atlanta posted a 79-37 and 37 record. So I, I think it's safe to say, Lou, this was a pretty big promotion for yes. Atlanta that you could argue – you know, kind. You know, you could argue it. It kind of saved their season. I think you're right. All right, we do have uh, we do have some trades that went down. Uh, the first one in particular that I want to mention here, which absolutely stunned me when it was announced. The Mariners, they acquired outfielder Teoscar Hernandez from the Toronto Blue Jays for right-handed pitcher Eric Swanson and left-handed pitcher Adam Mako. And here's the thing that gets me here is Teoscar Hernandez is literally coming off of an all-star season. And they pick up a guy who's a borderline relief pitcher. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know about you, Lou, but I don't think Toronto got nearly enough in return for a guy who was considered to be probably their best out their Yeah. Probably their yeah. best outfielder this season. Yeah. I think they got screwed. I mean, just, just taking a look real quick who they acquired uh eric swanson who was with the seattle mariners he had three saves posting a 168 era and 70 strikeouts well i guess you know when you think about it 57 games played yeah you know what that's not bad actually 57 games a 1.68 ERA. 
that's actually a pretty shut uh, a pretty shut down uh, release pitcher. So, you know, I guess maybe perhaps Toronto is prioritizing upgrading their bullpen this off season. All right. Well, what are your thoughts, uh, Lou, with uh, with uh, with with Toronto seemingly sacrificing power? For, for and instead they you know he sacrifices power or they sacrifice power while trying to upgrade another another part of their roster. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be much for contention for next year. I mean, you know, they well, it looks so good this uh, this past year either. You're you're sacrificing the power. If you sacrifice the power, uh, what have you really got? You won't really have much. So this is, like, this yeah. is a big mistake on their part. Yeah, it's kind of a surprise. Uh, and yeah, as far true. as as far as Adam Mako goes, uh, let's see what Mako did last year in the minors. Uh, Mako was at high A uh, for the Vancouver Canadians. He went 0 and 2 in eight game eight games played 0 and 2 with a 3.99 ERA. So it looks like he's a starter, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's a starter. Okay, so this is a guy. Okay, this is this is the pitcher I was thinking of, not the other one. So this guy okay. is maybe a borderline, maybe a potential borderline uh, reliever, or reliever or starter. And no, I just I don't know overall what what Toronto was thinking, but I I, I think it's obviously you know the big prize for yeah. them was the uh, reliever that they picked up. Uh, I believe I believe we have Kyle. Is this Kyle? Oh, Keith, Keith, how's it going? How's it hey, going, Kyle? Kyle? Good, how are you guys? So uh, we've been ta- we've been talking about uh, about the trade that the Blue Jays just made this off season or this past week, acquiring uh, acquiring Eric Swanson in a deal for Teoscar Hernandez, who is literally just coming off of an all-star season. I, what, what are your thoughts, to, just to start off here, uh, with the Blue Jays seemingly trading power for relief help? Um, I mean, important. You definitely have to have a bullpen. You've seen times before. You don't have any relief It kind of makes me wonder if, if maybe perhaps Toronto has a 
two already in place for Teoscar Hernandez uh, moving forward here. Because why else? Why else would you would you be uh, inclined to trade away one of your top power hitters after he just had an All Star season? Right. I mean, it it doesn't it doesn't make any sense, honestly. So, uh, you know, who knows? You know, may, maybe perhaps yeah. this will pay off in space. I, I I do know that pitching was a weakness mm-hmm. uh, for them, specifically out of the bullpen. Yes, but you know, who know who knows what uh what they may what they may be doing uh moving forward here. Uh, another player who was on the move, uh, Kyle <laughs> Lewis, who was. Kyle Lewis, who was the Rookie of the Year in the National League back in 2020, has been acquired, or no, he was the he was the American League uh, Rookie of the Year uh, in 2020, has been acquired by the Arizona Diamondbacks in exchange for Cooper Hummel. Hmm. And this one kind of confuses me because Hummel only hit. 176 in his time with Arizona this summer. And I guess maybe perhaps, you know, he's going to be a bench player, but uh, Kyle Lewis has been apparently limited to injury. Uh, he, he's been limited with injuries, uh, playing only, 20, only 54 games over his last two seasons. So I don't know about, I don't know, uh, what to think about this, Lou? Because it it, it just kind of seems Neither like it kind of seems like the Mariners gave up on yeah. Lewis here fairly quickly, even though you know injuries have derailed his last two seasons. Well, that could uh, be a factor. Right. That's a factor right there. Yeah, but I mean, when this guy's healthy, he shows power to all fields. Hmm. Uh. And. If he can stay on, if he can stay healthy, he's probably going to see significant playing time for the Diamondbacks. I mean, let's 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 not forget this is a guy who literally just won Rookie of the Year two years ago. Yeah. So I mean, you wouldn't think that there would be such a huge drop off this quickly. No, that's that's unusual. But it happened. So, you know, I I just I've been I've been kind of confused with some of the trades that have gone down this week, and you know, you know this, this Kyle Lewis one is just this Kyle Lewis one is just another one. I I'm just so the Mariners. I, I I can understand why they why they got rid of Lewis because they needed to they needed to free up some space to acquire the contract of Teoscar Hernandez. So that at least makes sense, but. Man, you know, to give up on a on a player that quickly though, it's Yeah. It's just surprising. Not to mention also lack of faith. Yeah. Uh another bit of news here too, the Blue Jays they also moved on from Raymel Tapia 
which is kind of surprising that they designated him for assignment this past week. Uh, he was considered to be an unlikely cut from the Blue Jays. Nobody was expecting him to be released whatsoever. Uh, but he got cut uh, after hitting 265 this year with seven homers, 52 RBIs, and eight stolen bases in 433 at-bats. So it's, you know, honestly, it's 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 really kind of surprising. Uh, it's it's been a, a surprising week for Toronto Blue Jay fans. You know, you kind of you kind of have to wonder where what the priorities are for this uh, for this Blue Jays uh, organization moving forward. Uh, we did have some. Uh, we did also have some signings this week. Uh, the Yankees they have officially brought back Anthony Rizzo, uh, two yep. years, forty million dollars, and it includes a seventeen million dollar club option for the twenty twenty five season with a six million dollar buyout. So essentially, it's it's a three year deal, for the most part. Uh, 33 the 33-year-old slugger blasted 32 homers for the for the Yankees this past season and he will return to the cozy confines of Yankee Stadium for the next few seasons moving forward. Uh for me you know I, I and not not just that but the Yankees also re-signed uh Isaiah Kiner-Falefa uh this past week too. I think it was like a one-year 6 million dollar deal. Uh, you know, you know, after a lot of people figured that Kiner Falifa would probably be a uh, non-tender candidate uh, yeah. for There's not a lot getting them. a contract. Uh, I mean, what's the what's the sense around uh, around the Yankees, Lou? It it, it seems like it, it seems almost like maybe the, maybe the sense is that are they still potentially planning on life without Aaron Judge? It seems the way. And there was also tampering, you know, with the, between the Yankees and the Mets uh, about Judge as well. Uh, happened, oh, um, that's true. This weekend. Yeah, and that violates the CBA. Oh, boy, just when we thought everything was peaceful. Mm-hmm. Yep. And not so, just that, but there's also – now with that. There's also smoke too going around that maybe perhaps that may extend to uh, the Red Sox and Xander Bogarts. Mm. I had heard earlier this week that maybe perhaps the same thing is sort of going on with the Sox and Xander Bogarts, with the uh, Red Sox trying to lower his asking price. I did hear that too. I mean, you know, uh, uh, it kind of kind of makes you wonder, uh, yeah, what exactly uh, the repercussions could come of this. Oh, was pretty. All right, what 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 are your thoughts, Lou? I mean, what uh, you know, what what's the exact price really for for tampering? Could cost you some draft picks. You'll probably get fined. Um, 
you know, there's 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 got to be some penalties that are going to be uh, coming here. Uh, I think even on the management side, there's going to be some there's going to be some penalties here. So this is, I think, being an ugly situation right here for both the Yankees and the Mets. You know, I don't I don't think the Yankees would be that quick enough to give up on Judge. I mean, look what he's done for this team. You know, he's been here, and I don't think they're going to go down a fight and trying to keep him. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely think that the Yankees are. Uh, I mean, it's it's a step in the right direction. The fact that they've, uh, you know, they've offered him three hundred and thirty million has been the most recent offer. Uh, it is a step in the right direction. Maybe, perhaps, they're. It, it almost seems like they're looking to try and keep the team together. Yeah, uh, you know, which is odd considering the fact that. You know, this team was considered to be the favorite to potentially win it all this year, but yeah. every you know everything essentially fell apart all of a sudden. So, you know, I don't know if maybe maybe they're thinking the fact that it's uh, you know, that it's an aberration, and maybe perhaps that if they bring everybody back. Uh, they'll be they'll end up becoming that team that they want to that that, that everybody thought they would be. Yeah. Uh, or the only thing I can think of is maybe perhaps they're thinking that they're not really going to be in on any of the other premier free agents around the league. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that they're looking at potentially upgrading at shortstop. Because I know they've been linked to, I think it was Trey Turner they've been linked to. They've been linked to Xander yep. Bogart. But uh, I heard the Xander Bogart stuff, though, was only in case uh, in case that they struck out on Aaron Judge, that yeah. Bogarts would be a fallback option. Um, I don't know, though. It's It's really weird. With the the way that this yeah. off season has looked so far for the Yankees, I mean, yeah, they, you know, a lot of people thought that they wouldn't be able, uh, you know, they they wouldn't be able to bring back Rizzo, and that yeah, uh, he would essentially end up going to. I th- I think they said that uh, L. A. was looking like the likely option for him, the uh, Dodgers. Then again, though, L.A. is looking like the likely option for almost every single uh, every single yeah. free agent on the market. So, you know, who knows? Who knows exactly what the uh, how the market's going to shape out? But I, uh, I mean, L.A. You know, they did actually just lose a premier free agent. They lost Tyler Anderson after yeah. he rejected. After he rejected the Dodgers' nineteen and a half million dollar qualifying offer, uh, he instead signed a three. He signed a three-year, thirty-nine million dollar deal with the Angels. So here's the thing that gets me: is why do you reject a qualifying offer just to accept a contract with less average annual value? I'm trying to figure that myself. It doesn't make. That doesn't seem very logical. 
It just doesn't. I've always wondered about that with the qualifying offers and why they won't take him and whatnot. And when you have an offer, it's that thing is good money. You know, why not take it? Yeah. Yeah, like uh, eighteen million dollars, I take it in a heartbeat. Yeah, like the the I'll give you I'll give you a perfect a perfect example here. Uh, Nathan Eovaldi, who had a right. injury riddled season this year for the Red Sox, uh, he was given a qualifying offer by Boston and he ended up rejecting it. Right. Now there's one, there's one way that I can look at this. Either he thinks that, or, you know, either they're already preparing a multi-year offer for him or he thinks he can make more on the open market, which that I can't see. No. So, you know, I just I I don't know what exactly the whole thing is with the qualifying offer. I mean, I know that for uh for what they what the uh gist of the entire qualifying offer is is that if you're below the tax and you issue a qualifying offer to a player and they reject it and he and that player signs somewhere else you receive a pick in the draft a compensatory pick yes. that's below that's either the second round or below uh, right. If you're above, if you're above the tax like Boston is, then instead of the instead of below the second round, it'll be below the fourth round. Right. So you know it's 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 pretty confusing, basically. It is confusing. How do you undo that? Uh, and that's and that's that's you know that's why you don't really see a lot of people you know accept the qualifying right. offer. Uh, which you know honestly. It's you know it's 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 still it's still very confusing like I like I said with the the whole qualifying the whole qualifying oh, offer thing the only thing that I just don't get is why Anderson would decline the offer and then sign elsewhere for six million dollars less per year. I mean, it, it was like almost immediate that he rejected the qualifying offer, and then he immediately signed with the LA Angels. Yeah. But he finished. He finished with a stellar 2.57 ERA last year, uh, 138 strikeout to 34 walk ratio, over 178 and two thirds innings through 30 games. Uh, or 30 appearances, 28 starts. 
and he will help bolster the uh, Angels' starting rotation moving forward. It's just, you know, it's just still that's one of those parts that I just do not get. I don't care much either. Uh, let's see this next bit. Uh, there, there was one player though, or two players that accepted their qualifying offers. Uh, the first one was Martin Perez, a one-year, uh, yep. nineteen point six five million dollar qualifying offer from the Rangers. Uh, which honestly is probably the most that he's made in a season in his entire career, in a single season. Uh, he posted a solid two point eight nine ERA. Uh, along with a 169 strikeout to 69 walk ratio across 196 in the third innings through 32 starts last year. Uh, honestly, you know, I don't know. When it comes to Perez, I kind of think he could have potentially gotten more on the market. Yeah. So I think, I think I mean, I'm not surprised that he accepted the qualifying offer, but I'm also kind of surprised that he didn't test the open market because I kind of feel that he could have gotten, you know, a big, uh, he could have gotten a big multi-year deal this year, especially uh, with how he performed uh, this year for the Texas Rangers. So I was kind of surprised by that. Uh, Jock Peterson, he accepted his qualifying offer from the San Francisco Giants. Uh, so he will be making $19.65 million after hitting 274 with 23 home runs and 70 RBIs, along with three stolen bases this year for the Giants, which honestly, I can't, I can't really say I'm surprised. I, no, I don't know. I don't know if he could have gotten, uh, that much per year on the market. Uh, considering the fact that uh, for position play, you know, for outfielders, I think the market is probably kind of big this year. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if uh, if if he would have gotten, uh, you know, that big of an offer in terms of uh, in a in a single year. I seriously don't. Know. Uh, yeah, I serious, I seriously doubt that as well. Uh, Bryce Harper, he apparently will undergo surgery uh, next this upcoming Wednesday to address the UCL tear in his right elbow. Uh, it is not yet known if he will require full-on Tommy John surgery, but the procedure could still affect his readiness for the beginning of the 2023 season. Uh, even though it's not, even if it's not as quite as elaborate as Tommy John surgery would be, mm-hmm. and a big portion of this, though, too, he was limited to DH duties for the majority of this year, and they want him to be able to return to the outfield at some point next year. Uh, and it says here that had the universal DH not been enacted as part of the new CBA he probably would have undergone uh, surgery a long time ago before this, uh, you know, before uh, they ended up making the World Series like they did. Uh, We do have a – 
We do have a, a bit of uh, of sad news to report as three football players from the University of Virginia uh, yes. were shot and killed this past week. Uh, and two other people were also wounded in the shooting. Uh, the suspect was also said to be in custody. Um, in particular, it was a University of Virginia student that did this, uh, as well as a ex-University of Virginia football player as well that was involved. Uh, the suspect, Darnell or Christopher Darnell Jones Jr., faces three charges of second-degree murder and three counts of using a handgun in the commission of a felony. Uh, he ended up being arrested without incident around 11 o'clock a.m., about 80 miles east of Charlottesville in Henrico County uh, back on Tuesday the 15th. An officer had spotted the vehicle that Jones was driving in the eastern area of Henrico where he was taken into custody without incident. Uh, a motive for the attack was not has not been revealed at this moment at this time uh those killed unfortunately were devin chandler lavelle davis jr and deshaun perry according to university president jim ryan uh the two wounded students are being treated currently at uva medical center with one uh I don't know if their condition is updated yet, but one of them was said to be in critical condition and the other was uh, reported to be in good condition. I think uh, both one of them are now in better condition. So I think, um, you know, it, well, it might be out of the hospital soon. He was in critical condition on Monday, but as I heard from, I think, on Thursday, that uh, the other person whose condition was in critical condition has improved. Oh, okay. So that's so that's good at least. That's good that uh, yeah, it's a positive. That yeah, it it is it is a positive to come to come out of this negative tragedy, unfortunately. Um, and one of the two students that was injured was identified as Michael Hollins, uh, according to the head football coach at the University Lab School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Collins is a junior at UVA, and he is a running back for the school's football team, according to the team's roster. Uh, CNN had ended up reaching out to his family, but they had not received a response as of the report. Uh, his father, though, had, had told the Washington Post that his, that his son was shot in the back with the bullet lodged in his stomach. However, though, uh, he is expected to recover. So he was obviously the one that was in critical condition, I would assume. Uh, let's see. So the, obviously the shooting ended up prompting immediate lockdowns. Uh, the attack had happened Sunday on a bus returning from a class trip to Washington, D.C., where the class had seen a play. Uh, and it was yeah. it was not immediately clear if Jones was part of that class or if he had attended the field trip. Uh, police had responded to a report of shots fired around 10.30 p.m. in an area near a parking garage on Colbreth Road and surrounded by academic buildings. Uh, two slain victims were inside the bus 
with the third victim being taken to the hospital where he ended up dying. Uh, the call then prompted a shelter-in-place alert that was lifted about 12 hours later. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, regardless to say, Lou, uh, you know, this is a very tragic... Uh, and senseless. A very tragic shooting that shouldn't have happened. Um says here that classes were canceled Monday at Charlottesville City Schools. Uh, a UVA men's basketball game that was scheduled for Monday evening was also canceled. Yeah. Uh, the school also also canceled classes on Monday and Tuesday to give the students uh, the opportunity to reflect, mourn, and gather with each other. Uh, let's see, a family and community assistance center had also been set up on campus to provide the UVA community members with mental health services, uh, according to uh, UVA emergency management officials. Now, the thing about this, though, is that the suspect had been known to campus police, apparently, as mm. Jones had come to, a, to campus authorities' attention back in September when authorities had found out that Jones had made a comment about possessing a gun to someone unaffiliated with the university. But that person had mm. never actually saw the gun in question. So here's the thing that I'm wondering, Lou, is yeah. why, why was this never investigated? Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, that's, that's what should have been in the first place. I mean, you know, you know, by campus police or whatever, they, you know, they should have investigated. Then this never would have happened. I you mean, know, it's, it's, it's check, isn't it common checking sense? Things. Well, our society doesn't have any common sense, really, so that's not a surprise there. But you know, that's, you know, this was a very senseless tragedy that that should have been, that could have been prevented. This this was there was no reason for this to happen. Right. You know, I, it kind of makes me wonder if if this guy had a vendetta or something against UVA because Maybe. he was listed on their he was listed on their athletics website as a football player back in 2018 who, as a freshman, did not participate in any games. Uh, he, of course, played uh, football in high school, in two different high schools as a linebacker and a running back. Uh, I guess apparently he had a pre-existing injury that prevented him from playing on the football team back in 2018. Uh, he underwent medical treatment and rehab during his time with the team, and he was only a member of the team for one season. So, I mean, you know, this whole thing, obviously, you know, all of this could have been could have been easily avoided. But, yes. you know, it's just, it, it, it almost seems like this wasn't a spur of the moment thing. So, in other words, this, was know, a plan, it, this was going to be a planned attack. Hmm. Yeah, that's what it kind of sounds. It kind of sounds to me, Lou, yeah. like this was a planned attack. 
Now, as far as uh, as far as the players go, uh, Devin Chandler. It sounds like he must have been a red shirt because I'm not finding yeah, any stats right. on him. Uh, I'm not finding any stats on him. Uh, he was a wide receiver. Uh, let's see. Let me look up Lavelle Davis. Lavelle Davis had 16 catches for 371 yards and two touchdowns uh, this year. Both of the, both of them were juniors actually this year. And let's see, Deshaun Perry. What about Deshaun Perry? Deshaun Perry uh, was a linebacker this year. He had five tackles uh, playing, or he had two, he had seven tackles, seven tackles total, five solo, two assisted, and I think he only played in three games this year. It says, yeah, but. You know, regardless though, regardless of stats, regardless of whatnot, it, you know, it's it's just a senseless tragedy that honestly could have been avoided. Let me bring a in. Uh, let me bring in JB. Oh, let me is. bring in JB. How how you doing tonight, JB? Hey, I'm doing fine. I'm surprised I, uh, you. Uh, I'm surprised you knew this uh, telephone number. Well, I just I just kind of figured five one uh, or I mean you know the uh, the, the area, area code. code that uh, yeah the area code that came yeah. up I, I assumed it was probably you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't I don't know how long you've been on uh, how long you've been you've been listening, but uh, we've been talking about the uh, senseless violence that happened uh, back earlier this week in Virginia with the uh the shooting of three of three Virginia Cavaliers players. Yeah, I I didn't read about that and then all of a sudden I looked uh online and saw that Virginia that the Virginia uh football game was canceled and I was thinking why was it canceled? And then all of a sudden I looked further and I saw that uh, earlier in the week I did read about uh, some, I didn't know how many at the time, uh, Virginia um, football players uh, that, that got killed. And I thought, oh, okay, that's why. And to tell you the truth, I really didn't, uh, you know, look look it up uh, like I usually do, and I didn't really read about it. But yes, it, you talk, you know, when I, when I, you say senseless, yeah, uh, that's not the word for it, really. Well, you know, it, it, it kind of seems like uh, the more reading up I've done on this, it, it almost seems like it was a revenge sort of thing here, with literally all of the all of the people involved in the attack were football players, 
Three of them were killed. Another one was wounded, but he's expected to recover. Uh, it, it almost and the guy, the shooter, was on the team back in 2018. The only the only Ooh. time he has been on the team where he didn't even I don't think he even played a game because of uh, because of a pre-existing medical condition that kept him off the field. Okay. Mm-hmm. So to still, senseless it, it, it like like isn't like the word for it. True. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, you know it's first off it's a, it's an unfortunate tragedy the fact that the fact that uh, everything happened the way that it did you know it's and from what it sounds like it sounds like one of the uh, one of the players may have been may have been potentially uh, NFL draft uh, eligible this year I think too well actually no two of them were were juniors I forget yeah. what the third one was. Uh, but one of them uh, had a legitimate shot, I think, to potentially be taken at some point in the draft this year. But wow! But still, you know, uh, the thing that gets me, like I said uh, earlier before you joined uh, JB, is the fact that this guy had reportedly been known to campus security. The campus security knew who he was because of the fact that he had been bragging about a gun that he had and yet didn't bother investigating. Yeah. You kind of wonder about that. Yeah. Because when you, when you think about it, if he had been investigated, this is something that could have been prevented. Oh, definitely. By the way, don't look now. It looks like uh, we may have a storming of the field here soon. South Carolina, with maybe one of the biggest upsets of the year, about to upset fifth-ranked Tennessee, 63-58. Or uh, to 38, I mean. 63-38 to with a minute 14 left to go in the game. Storm the field. Get ready. I've been watch I've been watching that game and uh my wife was watching too and I said I can't remember the last time South Carolina scored that many points and well, it's like born. wow and it's against Tennessee I said I want to see them whoop their butt You might get it I like to see oh my God. I like to see upsets like that where it's just... I mean, this, <laughs> this is a six and four team. Upsetting yeah. a nine and one Tennessee you know, a lot of people consider Tennessee to be a juggernaut this year. And right yeah. now, if anything if anything, Tennessee is looking like a bunch of frauds at this point. Who oh, got yeah. lucky that they were able to beat Alabama. Frauds. And South Carolina look look is looking like they're uh, you know the Tennessee team, <laughs> or right, uh, Al- they're they're looking they're looking like they're Alabama almost. Yeah, it it just it just literally looks like everything has been completely shifted around. 
So and oh, let's see. I a was, big game tonight for Spencer Rattler. Uh, he only missed, I think it was six passes, six touchdowns on the night. A huge game for Spencer Rattler with South Carolina. And we do have another upset in the making right now. Arkansas dominating Arkansas. Ole Miss. Yeah, 42-20 to 20 right now. Yeah. <laughs> Did I mean, Jim say God. that he was going to go to that game? Uh, I think probably at that game right now, actually, I think. Oh, man. Can you imagine uh, him not having any kind of voice? <laughs> His I mean, voice well, is probably considering... done. <laughs> I mean, considering the fact that, you know, he he is a, a Arkansas alumni, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Obviously. mean, Jim? Yeah, Jim. Um, you know, obviously with him being an Arkansas alumnus, uh, you know, they've been – here's the thing about Arkansas is that the one thing that has held them back all season is the fact that they have Kendall Bryles as an offensive coordinator, a guy who knows nothing but to throw screen passes literally every single play. For uh, He only knows how to draw up screen passes essentially. Yeah. For each of his uh for for each of their pass attempts. So it is kind of a you know, I shouldn't say a surprise, but this is more along the lines of the Arkansas team that everybody was expecting to see with how they started out this season. Yeah. But uh Anyways, we are uh, heading into the overtime portion of the show, just a uh, reminder. So, got to hope that we do not get disconnected because uh, if anybody gets disconnected, uh, obviously you can't get back on, can't get back on the line. And, and of course, and of course, if I get disconnected somehow, then the entire show is over. Uh, Then everybody gets disconnected. Yeah. So you better so you better stay on. Yeah. Well, I'll put it this I'll put it this way. It ain't gonna be my fault if I get disconnected. If I get disconnected, you can blame my uh, my my service provider. What? Because literally. Let me ask you: What channel is that Arkansas game on? Uh, I think it's on SEC Network, which I don't I, which I don't get. I do. Because I get the SEC network. And Is it not on there? Oh, let's see. Uh, I don't I don't want to say no because the way my spectrum is, it's uh they're probably running over, and because I know I think the Georgia game was on CBS, so it obviously wasn't yeah, it on was. CBS today. Yeah, and dummy me, I picked uh, Georgia. 
they won. Yeah. Yeah. But and, you know, I, not ju- not just that. Not just that, but also I got to say your pick of Austin PA uh looks pretty genius uh with the with uh with your second uh, uh let me let me put it this way. Uh, you're probably happy the fact that I had that I asked you if you wanted to change your pick last night because of, <laughs> because of that uh, uh because of the fact that Tim apparently couldn't understand that uh yeah there's no chance in hell that uh Notre Dame would be the underdog to Boston College and I was I was that, looking at their uh you know wins and losses and I was thinking. Why is Boston College favored over Notre Dame? Why? And I thought, well, I'm just going to pick my game's gamble for Notre Dame. The heck with it. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, then late at night, I got on and saw... So I thought, which one should I pick? And I thought, well, you know, I'm a I'm a sucker for these. Uh, like I said, I'm a sucker for these, uh, you know, big uh, spreads. What were you gonna say, Lou? I mean, you know, how could that be? I mean, because they never, because you know, Boston College uh, hardly beats Notre Dame anyway. How could it be favored? Yeah, it made you know when when I took a second look at the because you know obviously I tabulate all of the uh, all of the stats and everything for that everybody picks each week. So yeah, you know when I took a second look, it made absolutely no sense whatsoever that no uh, Boston College was favored over. Over Notre oh, Dame, geez, I said that's that. impossible. Oh, wow. oh wow! Oh, we got a game here now, guys. Uh, which one? The Battle of Los Angeles. Ooh, USC and uh, UCLA. Yep. What's that? What's that on? Fox. Is that on? Is that on ABC oh, or on CBS? No, it's on, it's on Fox. It was 41-31 just a second ago, but UCLA uh, ran for a pass it for, oh, wow, it went deep. And it ran, oh, ran, and now wow. 41-38. Yeah, and he almost good. dropped it, too. He he almost yeah. couldn't hang on to that. If you would have not hung on to that, boy, you had you would have been, oh, boy. Yeah, forty-one right thirty-eight now, USC. Yeah. Right now, though, you, yeah, USC is is uh, is hanging on at least right now, but uh, <laughs> still plenty of time. Still plenty of time left with it. Literally, just being the beginning of the fourth quarter. Here's the thing I don't understand. Uh, going going back to one of the other games uh, today, Texas A and M. How the hell do you only do you only put up twenty points on UMass? Ooh, an SEC team! Wow, only puts up twenty points on UMass, which is 
easily, you know, and I can say this with no shame, is one of the worst college football teams that we that we probably have in the FBS. I mean, and, well, how? Look at Austin P. Uh, limiting Alabama to thirty-four points. Exactly. Yeah. Only, and 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 they cost they cost me a point this week because I decided Ooh. I decided to go with Alabama this week. Yeah, I got two. <laughs> you still won though. Yeah, I mean Alabama. Yeah, of course they still won, but I mean when you're facing a team like Austin P. Yeah, you know they yeah, they got sure. destroyed when 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 Tua Bailoa was their quarterback. Austin P. got destroyed by Alabama. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, literally, this is a game. This this should have been a game where they would have been able to pad their stats. Mm. And it, you know, it's just. It didn't. It didn't turn out that way, basically. Yeah. No, it didn't. So it's. It honestly, it's kind of embarrassing when you think about it. The fact that, you know, you're one of the top teams in the country. You're one of the top teams in the country, and you can only put up 34 points on a on a uh, on a team like Austin P. That didn't score a single point. Yeah. Really. I still think it's more uh, – I don't know what's more embarrassing, though, that or the fact that Texas A&M could only put up 20 points on a 1-10 in 10 UMass. Now, that's embarrassing. Yeah, that – that one that ten, is. Oh, boy, UMass. Good and bad. And football – oh, they suck. Yeah. And not to mention, it, it was so bad that Texas A&M literally – uh, at halftime, more than half of their stadium was empty. After yeah. half, oh, when man. it was when it was ten to three, like literally, literally more than half of their stadium was empty. It was literally that embarrassing. Yeah, I'm, I'm embarrassed just hearing about it. Yeah, really. And this was televised. Too. Or no, no, no! It wasn't televised. It was on uh, ESPN Plus, actually. So this wasn't this wasn't actually. If it was that kind of a I mean, was, kind of a team, I wouldn't want to televise it either. I mean, that's a, a one in ten UMass team, or technically they were one in nine uh, heading into today. But now a one in ten UMass team, and you mean to tell me you couldn't put up more than twenty points, especially yeah. with your. Especially with you being part of one of the toughest conferences in college football, the SEC. Yeah, really. All right, that right there is just embarrassing. Yeah, this is, this is humiliating. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, there's nothing more that you can really say about that, honestly. Uh, and another one here, too. How the hell did third-ranked Michigan have such a hard time against Illinois? Nineteen to seventeen. No. Yeah. No, wait a second. Illinois is not won, a bad team, to be honest. They only won by two uh, points. <laughs> They're third-ranked. 
And Winwood is not that bad of a team. No, they're not that bad of a team, but still, you know, if you're a team like Michigan, who has been dominant all season long, I mean, Illinois was leading them at one point, and Michigan had to come back to win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. And if it wasn't because of Jake Moody, right? if it wasn't because of Jake Moody with his three fourth-quarter field goals, Illinois would have upset Michigan. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, – granted, though, Illinois is still a good team. You know, they're coached by uh, former Arkansas yeah. Razorback uh, Brett Belima. But still, that one, you know, it's – oh, yeah. I think he – you know, uh, I think if I recall correctly, he wishes they still didn't get rid of uh, Belima, considering the right. fact that Belima uh, had the – Honestly, he didn't really have uh, a lot to work with compared to what Sam Pittman has uh, to work with. Uh, but and by the way, Arkansas did actually did hold on to win forty-two twenty-seven. Uh, yeah, I but, saw that. Okay. You know, it's just it, it's just been a weird day, I guess you can say. Uh, for college football because I I wasn't really expecting some of the scores that I that I saw. You know, I was expecting. I mean, Georgia winning a slim win over Kentucky, I can kind of expect because Kentucky was actually a team this year, uh, with Georgia yeah. only beating them sixteen to six. You know, Kentucky. Yeah, that was a surprise team. right there. There was. It was, but at the I, same time, I kind of expected it. Hmm. But I think the biggest surprise was uh, Arkansas and uh, uh, South Carolina. I mean, South Carolina scoring 63 points. On Tennessee, yeah. 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 I mean, South Carolina scoring... If you if you would have said South Carolina scored thirty eight points, I would have said what? <laughs> maybe maybe twenty eight points at the most. But when was last time I wonder uh, South Carolina scored sixty three points yeah. in any kind of uh, football game? Well, it's been a long while. I can tell you that much. I can I can yeah. tell you it's been a long while. I think maybe it was maybe it was against Texas A. Wait, what what was the team uh, that Texas A and M went to seven overtimes with? Wasn't that South Carolina? Yes. Where they put up uh, they put up like seventy points apiece. Yeah, that was nuts. Yeah, that's probably the last time that 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 happened back when uh, I right. think it was Johnny Manziel that was quarterback for, uh, for Texas A and M. Manziel. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, sarcastic. Oh yeah. Uh, another upset we saw today: uh, Georgia Tech beat North Carolina twenty-one to seventeen. Yeah, surprisingly, thirteenth uh, ranked North Carolina officially going down the tubes. 
we did see a couple of uh, a couple of lower uh, ranked teams lose as well. UCF lost to Navy by a slim margin, seventeen fourteen. Uh, North Carolina State got upset, but well, I don't know if you can really call it an upset. Uh, Louisville beat them twenty five. No, 10. not really. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know if you could really call that an upset. Draw your own conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly, yeah, I can't. Uh, you know, I would consider this one an upset though. Vanderbilt over Florida. I was expecting oh, yeah. what? Say what? <laughs> yeah, Vanderbilt okay. over Florida. Thirty-one to the twenty-four. The team in the history of college football is now in two in a row. Yeah, and they're five and six now. Uh, is health freezing over? Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I making... it's starting well, to. I think. <laughs> Obviously, when I was making, when I was making, that's the only way can win. <laughs> when I was making my picks this week, that literally looked like one of the easiest picks I could have made picking yeah. Florida. Cause I thought, I thought they would cover easy. And then I wake up and I see Florida losing like they were. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be one of those days, I guess that literally nothing goes my way. And so far it isn't. I'm down by one yeah. point essentially uh, right now in the, uh, in the picks uh, that have been made so far. Uh, but we do have, obviously, the NFL tomorrow. And not to mention, I do like the uh, the Thanksgiving uh, slate that we have as well. Oh, yeah. For Thanksgiving this year. Uh, obviously, I'm going to bring it up here, try to bring it up here. Especially game uh, two. For, uh, for game two, yeah, we have Giants and Cowboys. We have Bills and Lions no, to it's... open up. Uh, to open up Thanksgiving, and we have Patriots and Vikings for the for the uh, Thursday night game at eight twenty. Yes, uh, out in Minnesota. You know what? Uh, sp- speaking of the Bills, I want to bring up this question. You know okay. that a uh, you know you know that a blizzard is coming your way. Why the fuck do you wait until yesterday to try and leave town? Instead yeah, of you I don't know, you know, instead of I don't know, leaving town before the blizzard comes. Yeah, you're lucky you got out there and the game was still on. But you know, stupid, you know it's coming. Like, oh gee, what do we do? What do we do? Think about it, you idiot. I bet wait, I... wait until until the travel ban was already put into effect. Right. Dick. And did I read it right that? Some of the, there was some fans that actually that were actually uh, digging out some of these um, football players, yes. <laughs> so they could get out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. That's true. I, I wouldn't oh. be surprised. But they did uh, they did officially touch down though in Detroit uh, earlier. Uh, yeah, earlier tonight. So About the game four. is on. Yeah, the game is on. And then yeah. you know, not just that. What's what's bad enough is then they have an immediate turnaround and have to play Thursday. 
So, yeah. you know, it's going to be a very short week for them. The fact that uh, they had to cancel practice on Thursday, they had to cancel practice on Friday, and, you know, then obviously we have uh, – you have a Thursday night game. I mean, it's just uh, – it's kind of crazy with, with with Buffalo and the fact that they waited all the way until uh, it already was snowing quite a few feet before uh, they yeah. decided, oh, yeah, you know, maybe we should try and leave town. Yeah, really. What happened to playing ahead? Exactly. I think we should put the plan the rest of you, too. But, yeah, you know, uh, Bills and Lions, I would expect that we're probably going to see a Bills win there. Uh, Giants and Cowboys is going to yeah. be very interesting because yes. uh, that could be a very pivotal game for the uh, for the NFC East, especially with the Eagles somehow losing this past week. Mm. I'm ready. <clears throat> and... Obviously, Patriots, Vikings, I'm expecting the Patriots will probably lose, but, you know, who knows? You know, uh, when I was thinking without... for, tonight's, for tonight's show, on, on my show, I was asking everybody um, with, you know, with the Patriots and Vikings, and one said, can I pass on this one? I'm like, why? This is gonna be, I think it's going to be a fairly decent game. And one was like, i got to pass. Boy, that's a rough crowd. Yeah, but you can't, a, you, can't forget. you can't you can't forget as well though. I mean obviously the Patriots uh strength is their defense and yes, yes. Last time the last time they faced off against Kirk Cousins, they were able to hold him. I think it was to only 13 points because it's the game I went right. to uh a couple years ago. Oh. I think it was 13 points that he held him to uh or that the Patriots defense held them to. Uh, right. Um, the big problem, though, is the Patriots' offense. I'm not too. Com- I'm not confident in no, no. In their, you know, in their offense. You know, I would be surprised, honestly, Lou, if they beat the Jets next. Uh, if they beat the Jets tomorrow. The only way that I feel they beat the Jets is if Zach Wilson falls flat on his face again. That's the only thing that can happen, because I'm taking the Jets. Remember, this is not the same Jets team that we've been accustomed to over the last uh, 15 years now. They've really come together here. Salah has, you know, uh, shaped up this lineup, and they're making they're making a run. So, yeah. um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets do win. This is revenge. After they beat us a few weeks ago, and at that win they had against Buffalo, I mean that really just shook things up. So this is a, this is not going to be a cakewalk for the Patriots here. Oh no, I don't. You know, I in, in in no way did I did I think that this would be a cakewalk for the Patriots. Uh, I will say though, uh, one thing about the Jets, they will be without Corey Davis. He was officially ruled out with yeah. his knee injury. Uh, yesterday, and they will also be without Sheldon Rankins, uh, their def- one of their defensive tackles, who is out with an elbow issue. Uh, tight end Kenny Yaboa is also doubtful with a calf injury. 
The Patriots, though, they will be without Christian Barmore, who was just placed on injured reserve with his knee issue. Uh, I believe they also placed Jake Bailey, their punter, on on the injured list with a back issue, so I don't even know who their punter is going to be. And uh, let's see. Let's see, who else is on? Uh, They also have Parker, Uche, and Jennings as questionable for the Patriots. For the Jets, really the only one that's questionable is Nate Herbig. Uh, They're one of their guards with a a shin injury. So, you know, it's – we're probably, you know, looking at – a pretty close game. I would not be surprised if this is decided by the defense again. Mm. I real I really wouldn't be surprised at all because uh you know, I I I I just think with how the Patriots got off to such a bad start against the Jets Normally, when Belichick faces the same opponent again, he doesn't make those same mm-hmm. mistakes. So I'm assuming right. that the Patriots that. are going to attack. Yeah, I, I'm assuming the Patriots are going to learn from from their mistakes. Uh, likewise, this time. Yes. And another thing too that you have to take into account as well is Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, you know, despite the Jets being six and three, Zach Wilson has nothing to do with that uh, with that record. Four touchdowns, oh. five picks, and five picks when it comes to passing. And as far as rushing goes, I think he only has like one rushing touchdown. So, the most he has five touchdowns total. You know, it's. It does not, you know, and from 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 my understanding, when I was watching ESPN, or no, I was watching NBC Sports Boston earlier this week. They brought up a comparison of Wilson and Jones. Wilson has been the worst quarterback in the league when 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 pressured this year. So, knowing the Patriots with how they like to pressure their opponents, considering defense is the number one option, you know, I I would not be surprised at all if they can get if they can get to uh, to Wilson again this week. So, that's obviously something to keep in mind. Uh, yeah, moving into this week. Um, but yeah, you know, I do think it'll still be close, uh, and it kind of says something. The fact that the line didn't really move that much; it opened up at three, and it's now finishing at three and a half. I think so. The line hasn't really moved, essentially. You know what though? I want I want to go over to another team though, because uh, it, it kind of has something to do with the Patriots. Josh McDaniels and the Vegas yeah. Raiders. Uh, 
you would kind of figure that he would have been fired already after a two and seven yeah. start. Apparently, though, according to a report out of Mass Live, it's been reported uh, that even though Raiders owner Mark Davis gave Josh McDaniels an unequivocal vote of confidence following his embarrassing loss to Jeff Saturday's Colts. By yeah. the way, might I add, Jeff Saturday, that's the first, uh, you know, that was his first time coaching at any specific level in the NFL. He, was not, he wasn't even an assistant coach. Uh, you know, after an embarrassing loss oh, against Jeff Saturday, apparently, according to Bill Plaschke of the L.A. Times, even if Davis really felt that that McDaniels was doing a fantastic job, Davis doesn't have much of a choice. The Raiders no. do not have the money to let McDaniels go, apparently. Uh, matter of fact, Plaschke has said McDaniels will be the coach for both this year and next year, as the Raiders do not have the money to fire him in order to pay him off as they're reportedly cash poor. They've already, they've already put themselves in a corner to where they're going to basically be at the cellar, essentially, unless things turn around, they're going to be at the cellar of their, uh, of possibly the NFL. And it's because they don't have the money to fire McDaniels and then rehire somebody. Hmm. What are what are your thoughts uh first Lou about this? Well, if you're cash for, I mean you've got a lot of problems. I mean you can't fire the can't fire the coach, which is just this terrible. So this puts in this very, very delicate situation here. Oh, it's, that's also embarrassing. I mean, JB, this would be like Cincinnati uh, deciding to move on from Zach Taylor only – to then realize, oh, wait, we don't have the money to be able to do so. <laughs> I mean, how, how, poorly organized, how, poor, how poorly organized of an organization must you be to not have room for a contingency plan? Yeah, you got to think about uh, how much money you're going to have after you uh, get rid of somebody. Well, Say, well, well, it sounds like it's not, it sounds like they don't have money. Period. Yeah. yeah. B r o broke. You know, you're broke. before you get rid of somebody, uh, you're going to say, well, if we get rid of them, you know, what's our budget after we uh, get rid of them? And I guess they just wanted to, you know, get rid of this guy, and then they found out. Uh, duh, we don't have uh, we don't have any money to get anybody else. <laughs> Shit, yeah, I no brains either. Yeah, really. 
you know, here's the simple here's the simple solution. If you wanted to go with to go with a with a coach uh, to just you know put in a automatic vote of confidence, how about this? Yeah. Why not just Why not just keep Rich Basaccia, who was your interim coach? Why not just keep him as the head coach? I mean, it's really that simple. The players yeah. built into his. The players had built into his system. They, you know, they bought into what he was running there, and he had turned them into a borderline playoff team. Matter of fact, did, did they make the playoffs under Bisaccia? Mm. I don't think they did. Wait, let me look. Yeah, they lost in the wild card game oh, last year. Right. So they were a playoff team with Basaccia under uh, with uh, when Basaccia led them to a seven and five record after he took over for uh, John Gruden. So, you know, I just I. I don't understand why I, I didn't understand why the Raiders moved on from him to begin with, and then to and then to move on from him to Josh McDaniels of all people, who previously left the Indianapolis Colts at the altar in order to return to New England after he had originally accepted a deal to become uh, the Colts head coach before they ended up moving on to Frank Reich. I don't know. It's it's really confusing. Yes. I've been very confused. By the way By the way, Lou, for your Dallas Cowboys, it looks like they may stick with Tony Pollard this week. They better what it sounds like. Cuz even though Ezekiel Elliott is listed as questionable with his knee, it looks like they may stick with Pollard for he one Pollard. week and give and give Elliot one more week to uh, recover. Give him another year to recover. I don't know. I, it's 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 really confusing with that. Uh, just just thinking yeah. about that whole Vegas situation. Uh, let's see some of the other notables from around the league: uh, McCole Hartman and Juju Smith-Schuster are both out for the Kansas City Chiefs this week against the L.A. Chargers. So I'm telling you right now, uh, L.A. kind of looking like a potential good pick for, uh, and a, you know, a good chance for them to, uh, to get back or to stay in the playoff picture as they're currently on the outside uh, with New England taking that final spot as of right now. Uh, the Cardinals, obviously, they do not have Zach Ertz for the rest of the season with a knee injury. Uh, Kyler Murray, they have listed as questionable, as well as DeAndre Hopkins as questionable. So that could be a if they don't both play, that could be a potential blowout for the for the 49ers this week. Yeah. Uh, let's see some other. Notable, uh, notable listings. Uh, the Colts will be without Jelani Woods and Quiddy Pay uh, with injuries against the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Uh, Eagles looks like they're only missing Josh Joby from what it seems like here. Uh, the Commanders, they will be without J.D. McKissick. Uh, oh, you know what? That's another question I want to bring up here. Uh, obviously, the Commanders, in the absence of Carson Wentz, have been going with Taylor Heineke as their quarterback. Uh, before, obviously, Carson Wentz came back this week, and it's been confirmed that Carson Wentz will officially be benched for the time being uh, with, with, with Taylor Heineke getting the start for at least, from what it sounds like, it's for at least the next one or two games. Yeah. So, I mean, let, let's get your thoughts about this, Lou. You know, Wentz, I mean, he has 10 touchdowns, six picks before he got injured. Uh, yes. He's thrown for one thousand for almost 1,500 yards this year. I mean, is it is it the right move for Washington to stick with Taylor Heineke? Yeah. And more importantly, more importantly, should they have just stuck with Heineke from the beginning? Stick with them. I wouldn't. Tr- I wouldn't trust going back with Wentz. You know, Heineke's giving me great is- success here. Keep him. And what are your thoughts on that, JB? I mean, Washington, it seems like they've been, they've become a much different team with uh, with Taylor Heineke back under center. I hey, this is uh, an area that uh, I don't know really. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, the only, the only thing I can I can just say about this is I never understood why they went out and got Carson Wentz when no I didn't feel like they really needed an upgrade at quarterback you know it's like Heineke was finally given a chance to start and it seemed like he was doing a pretty good job as their starting quarterback uh, last year so it didn't make sense why they would all of a sudden move on from him. Yeah, that's like the Bengals benching uh, uh, Joe Burrow. Yeah, it just... Well, I mean, Burrow is on a completely different level than Heineke, though. Oh, I know, I know. Production. In terms of production, Heineke is nowhere close to Burrow. Oh, I know it. But but still, you know, it's it's definitely a uh it's you know, definitely a qu- a questionable uh decision for them to even acquire once to begin with. And considering the price they had to give up in order to get him, I think they gave up like a first round pick or something as part of the deal. Wow. If anything, if anything, Indianapolis made out like bandits in that, in that deal. Cause Wentz has been nowhere near the level of production that he needs to be in order to meet that, uh, that mark. 
some uh, another notable bit of news: uh, P.J. Walker will be out with an ankle injury for the Carolina Panthers tomorrow against the Baltimore Ravens. So, looks like Baker Mayfield will start for the Carolina Panthers as he looks to somehow salvage this season if he can do that at all. Uh, also notable though is the Ravens. They have Lamar Jackson. Gus Edwards and Mark Andrews all listed as questionable. Jackson is dealing with an illness. Gus Edwards is dealing with a with a hamstring and knee issue, and Mark Andrews is dealing with a knee and shoulder issue. That could be pretty interesting. That could be pretty interesting if the Ravens are without two of them. I mean, that could that could potentially change that entire game. Uh, let's see. The Saints, they are expected to be uh, without a shit ton of people. Mark Ingram is out with a knee issue. Cameron Jordan out with an eye issue. Marcus Davenport is out with a calf issue. Marshawn Lattimore is out with an ab issue. And there's a couple of other note, but those are the notable names that are out for the Saints against the Rams. Uh, Brian Allen. Uh, the Rams starting center is of course out with his thumb uh, surgery that he had to undergo. Uh, let's see for the Giants. Really, the only notable name is Evan Neal, who is doubtful with a knee injury. Uh, Kenny Galladay, Wandale Robinson are questionable with hamstring issues, but they're probably going to play more than likely. Uh, the Lions, they will be without Josh Reynolds with a back issue, uh, as well as Charles Harris with a groin injury and Josh Pascal with a knee injury. Uh, Broncos, though, you know, this is where maybe perhaps the Raiders might get the win this week. The Broncos will be without Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler with ankle and hamstring injuries. Which is the, that's probably their two best uh, receivers that they have on that uh, on that team. Kendall Hinton is questionable with a shoulder issue, so that's potentially three receivers they could be without. Uh, Broncos are dealing with a very banged up squad heading into this week, so that's definitely. Uh, well, I shouldn't say it's nothing to keep an eye on, but. Uh, that could be definitely something that the Raiders benefit from here this week. Uh, let's see. The Vikings, they will be without Dalvin Tomlinson with a calf issue. Uh, and Zadarius Smith is questionable with a knee injury, but I assume he'll probably play. The Bengals, they are mm-hmm. still without Jamar Chase because of his hip injury. Uh, Trey Flowers looks like he is questionable with a hamstring issue. Mm, looks like that's about it when it comes to actual when it comes to actual uh, notable players. Uh, let's see. Um, what else do I have on this list? Oh, obvious, how can I forget this? 
the Rams will also be without Cooper Cup, who will undergo ankle oh, surgery yeah. and will head to injured reserve uh, after suffering a high ankle sprain last week against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, he will miss, at the very least, the next four games. Although, with the Rams season basically going down the gutter, chances are they may just keep out Cooper Cup the, for the rest of the entire season in order to help them, uh, in, or, in order to, uh, to, ma- under, to make sure he's 100% heading into next season. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles will be without Dallas Goddard for an extended period of time after suffering uh, a shoulder injury in their loss to the Washington Commanders. Uh, it's not considered season ending, or not considered season ending, but they will be without him for at least uh, a few weeks. It is possible, though, uh, that he is placed on injured reserve. By the mm-hmm. way, it looks like this is about to go final thanks to a game potential game-winning interception by USC. USC with a 48-45 to 45 lead Ooh. on UCLA with a minute 26 to go. And U- USC you- has uh, three timeouts and UCLA has two. Do they have three? I can't. I can't tell if it's lit up or if it's. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess they USC, do have all three. So. Yeah, USC has uh, three timeouts. UCLA two. Oh, okay. It's it's very hard to tell with the the way that that uh. With the way the, yeah. the that uh, uh, scoreboard is lit. Uh, going back to baseball for a second here, uh, Yasiel Puig has basically become the next uh, Pete Rose, essentially here, as he has Uh-oh. agreed to plead. He has agreed to plead guilty to a felony charge related to an illegal gambling operation, as he reportedly lied to federal law enforcement officials who were investigating the gambling ring which was allegedly started by former A's minor leaguer Wayne Nix. When the investigation ultimately concluded, Quig was found to have placed 899 illegal sports bets on tennis, football, and basketball games over just a three-month period in 2019. Uh, Puig's felony charge carries a statutory maximum sentence of five years in federal prison. He has agreed to pay a fine of at least $55,000, and he will appear in in U.S. District Court on – or actually, he did appear on the 15th. Uh, He had continued his playing career this past season in the Korea Basketball or, or the Korea Baseball Organization, and he had put up strong numbers, but this is likely to be a career ender for him now that he has basically pled guilty to uh, a felony charge here. So needless to say, uh, now granted it's not on the same level as Pete Rose as Pete Rose was doing them while, uh, 
what was it, Lou, during his playing career or during his managing career? I think it was his managing career. Managing. Okay, yeah, during his managing career. Now, obviously, you know, uh, he wasn't doing it on uh, on baseball games, uh, Puig. He wasn't doing it on baseball games. He was doing it on other sports, but still, needless to say, uh, five years he'll be thirty six potentially if he if he faces the full five year sentence. Uh, he'll be thirty six when he gets out. So, needless to say, he's probably you're probably looking at the end of his career. Uh, at this point for uh for any potential return to major league baseball. Uh the LA Angels they have acquired former Yankee infielder Gio Urshela from the Minnesota Twins yep. in exchange for Alejandro Delgado. Uh this is basically a depth move for uh for the Angels uh as protection for Anthony Rendon at third base. Uh and also not to mention a right-handed alternative to Jared Walsh at first base and a potential starting option at shortstop. Uh Urshela hit 285 in 144 games for the Twins last season and he is due about 8 million next year in his final year before hitting free agency. Uh, For Minnesota, though, this now clears the way for Jose Miranda to take over at his natural position next year of third base. Uh, Hidalgo survived 10 starts in the California League as a 19-year-old last season, finishing with a 4.62 ERA and a 58 strikeout to 19 walk ratio in 39 innings. A long way to go, but a definite prospect and a step up from the kind of A-ball pitcher who would get shipped off in return for a likely non-tender. So uh, the Twins did get a little something for Gio Urshela in this deal. Yes. Uh, The Twins also acquired infielder Kyle Farmer from the Cincinnati Reds, according to the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal, uh, though it is not known what the return is as of yet. However, uh, he did hit 255 this year with 14 homers and 583 at bats. Uh, let's see. The Atlanta Braves, they signed left-handed pitcher Tyler Matzik to a two-year $3.1 million contract with a club option for 2025. Uh, the club option is for $5 million and it does not include a buyout, but he will miss next season after undergoing Tommy John surgery, but he has been a key part of their bullpen over the last two seasons that uh, they have decided to keep him under wraps for at the very least the next two years. The Colorado Rockies, uh, they have signed right-handed pitcher Tyler Kinley to a three-year $6.25 million contract extension with a club option for 2026. Uh, the option is reportedly worth $5 million, which comes with a $500,000 buyout if the Rockies decline the option. Uh, he was outstanding last year with a .75 ERA over 24 innings out of the uh, bullpen. 
he is expected to miss time to begin 2023 because of a flexor tear in his right elbow, but he should be a high-leverage option. Uh, Tyler Kinley for the Colorado Rockies. It says here, though, that he should be a high-leverage option when he is back uh, when he is back with the team. Uh, the Oakland Athletics also uh, announced earlier this week that Executive Vice President of Baseball Operations Billy Bean will assume a new role as senior advisor to the managing partner. So this essentially puts Bean now at the ownership level, which has now been acknowledged by uh, Athletics owner John Fisher. Uh, Bean has been part of the Oakland organization as a general manager or or vice president of baseball operations since 1997. So a a much-deserved promotion, you could say, for Billy Bean. Uh, uh, yeah. After, after essentially, you know, being, you, you know, you could argue he was essentially the central figure of uh, right. that money, uh, the Moneyball movie, uh, Moneyball. that was made. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, according to the New York Post, the Mets have acquired right-handers Eliezer. Uh, Eliezer Hernandez and Jeff Brigham from the Miami Marlins in exchange for Franklin Sanchez. Uh, Both Hernandez and Brigham were designated for assignment by the Marlins earlier this week, but they make sense for the Mets as the Mets have uh, open 40-man roster spots and are in the process of rebuilding their rotation and bullpen. And also both pitchers do have options remaining. Uh, Hernandez had a rough year this past year, six, a 6.35 ERA in 10 starts and 10 relief appearances, but he has shown some upside in the past. Brigham, meanwhile, had a respectable 3.38 ERA in 16 relief appearances this past season. Uh, Sanchez, who's 22 years old, posted a 3.79 ERA uh, this season between Class A and High A ball. Uh, he's capable of hitting triple digits on the on the uh, radar and profiles as a possible late-inning arm, but control or lack of it is a big issue for him at this stage in his career. Uh, though it's still, still, though, it says the Marlins are willing to take a shot for two players who were trimmed off their 40-man roster this week. So... It just, uh, it just basically, uh, you know, it's it's basically a gamble essentially for the Marlins because they were going to lose two players anyways, and they ultimately end up getting uh, something in return here. Um, let's see. Any other little bits of information here that I have that we have? Uh, Let me see. Oh, Cade Cunningham, apparently for the Detroit Pistons, he is out indefinitely after he is feared to have a stress fracture in his shin, and he will reportedly Uh be out indefinitely as the Pistons consider their options, according to a report from Shams Sharania of The Athletic. 
Uh, it's considered a worst-case scenario for Cunningham as Detroit debates whether or not they should rest him or just have him undergo surgery as he has already missed a week of playing time. So now Killian, uh, Killian Hayes will start in his place. And, yeah, I agree with you, Lou. It's probably surgery. More, uh, That'd, more be the best not. That'd be the yeah, best option. Yeah, I agree. I agree because stress fractures, they never, they never really 100% heal no, on no. their own. Uh, let's see. Oh, Mike Conley ended up leaving tonight's game against the Blazers with a non-contact knee injury uh, with, a, with his knee hyperextending after oh. his foot slipped from underneath him. So he did walk back to the locker room under his own power, but he did so gingerly. Uh, sounds like more will be learned on either Sunday or Monday about his injury. But if he has to miss time, Colin Sexton and Taylor Horton Tucker uh, will probably get an increase in minutes from what it looks like here. Uh, and also for any wrestling fans here, uh, any wrestling fans that might be listening, I should say, uh, gotta say with AEW full gear, just ending a big, big night for AEW with MJF winning the AEW world championship, right move, Tony Khan, right move. Just got to put, just got to put it that way. The right move, uh, to capitalize on the buzz surrounding this guy. But anyways, uh, we're approaching the end of our show. Uh, I just want to give a little bit of a reminder for uh, as far as scheduling goes. Uh, normally on Thursday nights, we do the Survivor Cap show. However, because of Thanksgiving, we will be moving it to Friday uh, this week. So Friday night will be the Survivor 43 recap show. I don't know as of now if I'm going to do a Sports Whispers weekly show. There will be more information on Friday night uh, for anybody who's listening. And obviously, Lou, I'll let you know. uh, Okay. I'll let you know once I I know because I got to see if the family is doing anything. And if the family is doing something, chances are I probably won't be able to do a a show. So – I'll let you know, um, but yeah, I think we're gonna. I think uh, we got about we got about three minutes left. So, uh, just a reminder to anybody who hasn't done so yet: if you want to subscribe to the Missy AE podcast, you can do so by going to blogtalkradio.com/missyae. You can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, uh, Spotify. I think I've, I think I got all the all the uh, ones that we normally get. Uh, yeah, so that's gonna do it for us, for us tonight. Uh, I will. I'm gonna cut it a little bit a little bit short here with about about two minutes to go. Uh, so thank you, uh, thank you to Lou, thank you to Diane, and thank you uh, Kyle and JB for joining us tonight. 
And uh, we will see you guys, well, depending on what happens, uh, we will see you guys next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, and we will see you guys at some point within, well, obviously I'll, I'll be talking to JB on Friday night, uh, probably for survivor. Uh, but, uh, everybody else have a great, uh, happy Thanksgiving and we will see you guys next week at some point.